But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to But Where Are You Really From? Today we have a super special topic. It is legacy and children, and we have special guests with us to help us with this topic. We have Catherine and Mark Kim from the Mom and Pop podcast. Hey yo! Hello. Hey, what's up? Obviously, you will be the best at giving the overview of your own podcast, but we felt like this was a perfect topic to do a crossover with you because、mm-hmm. this is like your bread and butter. You guys are young parents, and Asians have a certain amount of pressure on us for <laughs> kids and our future. So we felt like you guys would be perfect guests for this topic. But why don't you give your own version of your intro? Yeah, sure. We started this podcast, Mom and Pop Podcast. The idea came from just we always have these interesting. Conversations, and we always wanted to start a podcast as a hobby. Just mom and pop, just us two. We're just、um, talking about parenting topics, whether it's、like、hospital visits or the first trimester. We recently moved, and with a baby, you know that's pretty complicated in itself. So yeah, we thought it would be fun to do that. So we've been doing that for like two, three months now. It's been fun. Catherine, tell us about your baby that you're holding <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Situations a little. Crazy. Every day is a different. There's、mm. a different rhythm to every. There's nothing predictable, and there's no patterns to follow. But Valerie is almost a year old. Her birthday's coming up in August, and there's just a lot of transitions going on with her, from like transitioning down from two naps to one. Eating solid foods, weaning off of breast milk, and going to cow's milk, and all that stuff. So, oh, this is a whole new world. I don't think just. I think Jesse and I are like, what are these words you're saying? <laughs>、um, so, for the listeners, just a heads up that like they are real live parents, and Valerie is in Catherine's lap right now. So, if there are baby noises or People having to be excused here and there. Just excuse that because this is real life, y'all. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a nanny or someone to help us, so just please bear with us. Yeah. Hashtag millennials. It's okay because she's so cute. <laughs> so I think the way that we wanted to go about this episode is that obviously you guys are the resident experts for this particular topic because you actually have a living child. My perspective that I'll be providing is as someone who is about to get married and is planning for children in the near future, and because Jesse does not want to partake necessarily in any of the above, he's going to be our kind of MC. For today and and hosting the questions. Yeah, I'm like the most junior along this path of all of you. But <laughs> I do have a cat, so I am raising a living creature. That's true. Maybe. maybe you were ahead of me then, because you were already caring for a living being, and I'm not. <laughs> First off, we wanted to ask you guys why you wanted to start a family. I mean, I think for me personally, like family is a big thing—not just the idea of having kids, but spending time with my parents, spending time with extended family at times. So, I guess it felt natural because we had been married for like four, three, four years, and also seemed like the ne- next step in a sense. I don't think there was like a aha moment. It was kind of more of a "this is what's next." We both want this, and it feels like. 
right? Like timing wise and like financially wise. I'll say that for me, my parents worked all day, always working around the clock. So that left me like home alone quite often. And I just felt like kind of lonely growing up and always wishing that I had a bigger family, especially because my brother's seven years older than me. So I always thought like, I want my family situation to be way different from, you know, what I had grown up with. And I thought somehow my life would be a little bit more fuller if, you know, I just had children of my own. So Mark, you mentioned like, you guys didn't really have a moment where you were like, we know we want to have kids. It was just kind of like a series of things coming together. That being said, like, was there a point where you were like, okay, like we're now this far into our marriage. Do we feel like we're ready to embark on the next step? And if so, like what was kind of the the driving force behind that? Yeah, financially wise, I think we wanted to make sure that made sense. And I think health is always a thing. So, you know, not wanting to wait too long to have children. That's something that we considered as well. I think as a kid, you always think like, oh, I want to be a young parent. So I'm going to get married at like 22 and then have a kid at like 24. And then, you know, you never like consider the career aspects, right? I think especially with our generation and there's this huge emphasis of going to like grad school and then getting like an actual paying salary. There were career milestones that we had to hit in order to feel like, let me um, get to a place in my career where if I had to raise children for a little bit, I could come back to my career without having to to start all over again and then kind of like fight for my job back. When you guys finally realized you were like, okay, cool, like we're ready to do this, like we're ready to have a baby, who were the first people that you told? Oh, good question. I think it was Mark's mom, my mother-in-law, because because I'm whipped by her. (laughs) (laughs) Sam. Yeah, but that is true. When the first people we told after we found out was my mom and my dad. I don't know if he was there. Okay, so I actually had an approach to telling people when I was ready. I thought, I don't remember who was the first person. And I was like, if I just casually tell people, then maybe I'll be less stressed out about the fact that I'm trying. I actually do remember Catherine very casually telling me that you guys were going to try soon because she and I went on a road trip together. And yeah, she was like, this is going to be so fun because it's going to be like my last time to binge before before we're going to have kids. I was like, what? Okay. Catherine. What was the biggest surprise that you had during the birthing process that you did not expect prior? I really badly wanted to go through vaginal labor, Mm. but since Valerie was breached, I had no options. I had to do C-section. Like they always say C-section is a major surgery and it's exactly like I was surprised to figure that 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 it really was like a major surgery because the whole process of it is really jarring. You don't imagine giving birth to a baby in a real surgical room. So it's just like bright lights everywhere Mm. and you feel like you're on this TV show about to get like, like cut. (laughs) (laughs) But then um, the surgery only took like five minutes. Wow. And then they glue you back together, which is like another two minutes. And it just happened so fast. 
even though it's a scary process, you have to be like super positive and keep telling yourself positive things because there's no good in kind of scaring yourself or stressing out about it. And I keep telling like friends who are pregnant, like I'm like, just stay positive. Like you don't want you don't want to be stressed out and you don't want to think of all these outlying stories. Mark, how about you as the non-birth giver? What was the biggest surprise that you had about that process? Yeah, so the process is so weird. Like I literally walk in the room, sit next to her, and then five minutes later, the baby is born. I'm like, what, <laughs> what just happened? Like, you just hear a baby crying. It's kind of like 10 feet away because they took the baby out. They're like, dad, come here and cut the umbilical cord. I'm like, wait what? what what just happened you know like I'm like okay I'll, I'll cut it and then it doesn't hit you until like an hour or two later and I'm like oh my gosh this happened like wow that's our baby you know like so c-section it was just like a weird experience very weird hey Catherine one question I have for you because I like Mark you mentioned one of the factors for why you guys decided it was time was like biological right for Catherine and like obviously that drives a lot of my thinking because I'm now I'm your guys's age but I'm not pregnant yet right but I haven't hit that point in my life where I'm like I have baby fever and I'm like oh my god babies are so cute I need to have a baby and I don't know if that's a real thing like if you had baby fever at some point and was like this is the time or if you're just like no this is just practicality <laughs> i think i had enough mutual friends that had young children where i'm like oh gosh i'm really getting older and they're gonna it's gonna be so nice for them they're gonna be nice and young when their children are graduating from high school and then they'll get to enjoy retirement like you know so it was a combination of the biological factor but then i i did have enough like friends with children where i did i did get that baby fever a bit Especially because my sister-in-law is our age, 30, mm -hmm. and she had already had a kid at that point. And then there was definitely like in-law pressure too. And my brother too. Everyone was like, everybody has a baby in our families. Like you guys are the last ones. <laughs> Once you guys got married, what was it like? Like were your folks kind of just like on you on having the children next? I think like... My parents, or my mom especially, she like really values financial stability. Mm -hmm. So until that was something that we felt like we had and felt comfortable, like she would not push it. So she would say stuff like, oh, you know, you got to make sure you get your master's. Yeah, it wasn't a pressure right away. Maybe we didn't hear it until like a few months or a year to a year before we actually started trying or we felt some pressure, but not that much, right? I disagree, and I think Ooh, my memory. She's the woman. <laughs> Remember that my mother. I'm whipped by my mother-in-law, so I don't know if this is necessarily an Asian thing or a Korean thing. But when it's a circle of just women, like you, you can imagine like your elder motherly figures, kind of like, "Hey, it's about time. Like we're turning thirty. And in comparison to like our other family members, we were a bit more financially established. So everyone kind of kept prodding at me like, hey, your life is nice. Like you both have, have incomes and you can support a child, obviously, financially. Like, why haven't you been talking about it? And I think another weird thing that came up was like we would have mutual friends and then they'd tell us like, hey, you're... Um, 
hey, your brother or sister-in-law was asking us when you guys are going to have a kid. And I'm like, well, that's odd. Like, why wouldn't you just ask this directly? But yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like every, I felt like everyone tiptoed around us for sure, family-wise. But my mom was super aggressive and she, she was kind of like, you're turning 30 and I'm getting you this oriental medicine and it's going to like, make your eggs fertile you know based off of the pressure that you guys are kind of felt what do you guys think of this idea of asian families pressuring their children to carry on this like legacy like you have to have a blood related child kind of above all as kind of a way to respect and honor your parents and like your larger family pass down your last name and all that yeah so i have an older brother so technically, he's the one that would carry the family line. So they had a daughter first, and then they had a son. So it's like, whoa, okay. I think it, it was a little, like, there was meaning behind it because my dad is the only one in his family that had sons. So my brother having a son, it was sort of like a, I don't think we talked about it, but it was sort of a, you know, like, a, okay, we have that, that, that happened. So that's cool. I definitely remember your brother at one point was like, I need to have a son because him being the only, like the oldest son of the only son to have a son, blah, blah, blah. He actually had to fly to Korea to hold your grandmother or grandfather's portrait in their funeral procession. Oh. And I think he felt the weight of being the the legacy i mean he has a lot of pride in being that guy in the family us being the younger children we never realized like that that's a thing and that people really care about it but i do remember your brother placed a lot of importance to that i also remember um my dad had like growing up told me like you're the girl so you're not carrying my family name, which means you're not entitled to like whatever I made in this life or whatever. But when I got married, my dad was like, hey, I hear like people are keeping their maiden name <laughs> and their last names. And I think he was feeling pretty proud of me at that point. And he was like, why don't you go with Chang Kim? And I was like, that sounds like shank him. So you do no. not go with that. No. As sexy as it sounds, I decided I needed to dumb, kind of neutralize my name. The girl piece is funny. And I think I relate to that. But I feel like it was always known that like, you're going to get married off. So like, you don't carry on the family name. So you're not you're like, somewhat lesser to that to that point. Right. But for me, it was interesting, because I feel like my importance changed when my brother came out as gay. Because that like shifted a lot of things in their minds because he's also seven years older than me, but he's the eldest and he's the son. So he theoretically is supposed to like propel forward the Lin family into the future. But I think they had like a very narrow view of, of what that means to like pass down the family name. And they were like, well, you're not going to have kids of your own like blood kids from there they're like Angela you you're only the only one who's gonna like yeah. 
have children that are biologically ours of like grandkids. So then there was this like newfound pressure on me, even though I was like somewhat discounted because my last name is going to change. But like, mm-hmm. because of the blood factor, they were like, well, now you're our only hope. Yeah, definitely a real thing. And I, I've heard of a few friends of mine who had some like the same situation as yours. And even with my brother, my mom kind of like his wife wasn't about well now ex-wife wasn't about to have children or get pregnant because she was really scared about it and like just didn't want one and then my mom kind of forced her to go through IVF or not forced her to but she was Mm -hmm. like if I'm going to get pregnant then I'm I'm gonna get like IVF done and my mom was like look I'll foot the bill as long as you have a kid in our name like I'll pay whatever it takes to make sure a kid comes out. It's kind of crazy. Why do you think Asians are so obsessed with like propelling our name forward? I think there's a fear a little bit of like the family being forgotten because there's like this cyclical expectation that there will always be someone there to be like thinking of the family, venerating the family, like carrying on the fact that the family exists. And when the name disappears, I feel like a part of that disappears, right? Like you no longer belong to this line of people who stretch back to like, you know, however long ago, it just kind of vanishes. So I think there's definitely some, at least from my perspective, I feel like there's some fear around that, that people will just forget like all these ancestors and forefathers and all that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of in Coco, the movie, when they're like, well, once the last person living on earth doesn't remember you you're like forgotten forever from this world you know just as the perspective of being someone's child I remember my mom kind of pushing me to be great at piano like prodigy status at (laughs) piano so that she could write books about it and get famous you know (laughs) wow I know like my mom was kind of greedy in that sense but also I think it was absolutely what Jesse was explaining right now that some there's something in her that was like I don't want to be forgotten Mm -hmm. I want to be remembered for something great so while I'm saying that I don't feel that way with Valerie like I don't want to push her into doing anything that she doesn't want to do you know I'm curious how you are thinking about perpetuating the Korean tradition with Valerie in terms of both like the language as well as any traditions, customs, rights, those kinds of things. Like how important is that to you in passing those on to her? I I feel like it's important to keep some of it and as much as possible, right? Like I'm not going to expect her to speak Korean to us because we don't speak enough Korean. Uh, Her Korean is actually going to be probably pretty terrible, but you know, (laughs) hopefully she'll still be able to communicate with her grandparents. Hopefully, you know, there'll be times where when we celebrate something like Korean, like New Year's, Chinese New Year's, we do that and eat like this uh, rice cake soup. New Year's, we also do like the bowing to the elders and, you know, showing them honor and respect, something like that, even though that's not something we might have thought too deeply about when we're little. Like now I appreciate it more. So that's something we would want to, you know, like teach her and keep that going. You know, I also want to be able to travel to Korea and like have her, hopefully she appreciates stuff like that, you know? I also have like fond memories of going back to Korea because my mom is from the countryside and 
I loved feeling so immersed in the Korean culture. But I realized that that would be unrealistic for Valerie because I don't even keep in touch with my cousins in Korea. So I do want to put her in like Korean, like traditional Korean dancing, like not K-pop dancing. But I hope that I can at least do something to make sure that she has a sense of identity within the Korean culture. As you mentioned, raising a child is a very difficult thing. And... We kind of, Angela and I have discussed before, that there are like many life things that we feel like our parents did not fully prepare us for. So when did, when you guys did have the baby, do you feel like your parents were able to impart like any helpful things? Yeah, you know, I can't think of anything like specific that they taught us or taught me. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's more like implicit lessons, you know, like my dad always wants us to eat together to, for dinner together every night, you know, like... There was no eating by yourself at the computer or TV or whatever. It's like, no, meal times are family time. That's when we can at least take a break from our busy lives. And so something that we picked up. So we don't, even now when we eat, we usually eat together, even though the baby's there and we'll like tr- kind of juggle eating and feeding her or mm-hmm. taking care of her. So that's something that maybe I picked up. Um, I feel like you're coming from a male perspective. That <laughs> as much unsolicited advice as the mother of the child does. Uh, from day one of when Valerie was first born, it was like a nightmare of like so many different kinds of advice. Like I had just like delivered her and I remember holding her and my parents saying like, put her down. <laughs> Put her down. Oh no! You're gonna teach her a bad lesson of being too dependent on you. You're not gonna let her cry it out. She's gonna like want to be in your arms all the time. And like, it was like day one. I remember my cousin-in-law was like, kind of like, "Hey, brace yourself because you're gonna get advice from your mom and your mother-in-law that's gonna like break your pride in ways you never knew that that was gonna happen." Did your parents share anything like superstitious things you should like avoid when raising a child or like that you should be aware of while raising a child? Oh my gosh, this one's a weird one. And I don't think it's that weird, but my mom kept telling me to take my temperature because when your body temperature is like when your body's ovulating, apparently it like peaks mm-hmm. at like a higher temperature or something weird with the temperature fluctuation. So I don't know if that's like a, an Asian thing, but like it's out there. And I got weirded out because I didn't know if she bought me a thermometer to stick up my vajayjay or... <laughs> oh, I thought you just meant your like general body temperature. Oven was like the right oh. heat. I don't remember if this was like right before she was born or right before we got married, but I think like it's a thing probably an Asian, like you don't want to go to like a funeral or something that's like negative or, you know, like something sad or depressing right before Mm. like a happy event because that will bring Mm -hmm. that bad juju, bad voodoo or whatever, bad vibe. So it was either our wedding or her. But anyway, yeah, my mom didn't go to like an important, like my mom, my grandma's funeral because it was in Korea. I think it was like a month or a few weeks before our wedding. And it was just like, like she didn't want to overstress her body. And I think it was like part of the reason like, oh, we don't want to go to a funeral mm. right before someone's wedding. 
when Mark's cousin passed away, everyone did like one more last goodbyes. They let everyone kind of say farewell to her. And I remember Mark's other cousin had a, a baby and, and our, our aunt was like, you can't bring the baby in. There's something in the Asian culture where, you know, babies and, and death, like, I don't even think that babies are allowed at funerals, maybe. Maybe it has something to do with both being too close to, like, the portal of life opening and closing, mm-hmm. I guess. So let's talk a little bit about Valerie. Did you guys give her a <laughs> Korean name? We did. Her Korean name's Unha. It just means galaxy. So Ooh. I know, like, in Korean culture, like, there's two different options of, like, how to come up with names. It's either, like, go with just a regular Korean name, no Chinese meaning, Chinese characters. And then there's the other option of having, like, Chinese characters that, and, like, give a different meaning to the person's name. But, yeah, we picked Unha because her cousin is Minha. Her other cousin is Yunha. So we were like, oh, let's keep the ha syllable like consistent with her two girl cousins. Probably, and we just liked it. We were like, oh, it sounds pretty. You guys just like kind of figured out what you wanted and picked it based off of like how it sounded. There wasn't like a more elaborate process of finding someone to help do that for you. For guys or for sons, there usually is more of a process. It's kind of elaborate. And basically you're tribal surname so like marcus kim and there's like a million different kim clans and according to his clan it like depends on what generation he is in that will decide like one of the syllables of his name so if valerie were to have been born as a boy she would have had Jin in her name and speaking of names when you picked the english name for her did your parents have any opinions on that oh my gosh Yes, my mother. If we had a son, I was thinking, oh, maybe Joshua, because Josh is kind of cute. And she goes, oh, that's too common. No, it's too many Joshua Kims in this world. I'm like, okay, like, what's your idea? She's like, well, I was thinking if you have a girl, maybe you can name her Grace. (laughs) Grace Kim. Excuse me? I'm about to slap a hoe here. That's funny. So we're going to move into our fortune cookie closing section because we always like to end on a sweet treat. I think you've already imparted a ton of knowledge about birthing and raising kids that certainly Jesse and I knew nothing about. But what we thought would be a fun close is if each of you wanted to give one tip that everyone should know about raising a baby that you've learned in this past year. I think my tip would be like, well, maybe kind of two tips. Like your mileage may vary. And what I mean by that is like your experience and your kid's experience is like can be totally different from other people. So don't get too caught up in like comparing or my why is my kid not XYZ yet? Or why is she sleeping, you know, like less than this or whatever. So just to kind of accept that everyone's so different, you're different and your baby's different and you're not going to be perfect. So yeah, just try to be flexible and kind of roll with the punches, you know, or roll with it type of thing. Okay, Catherine. 
super cliche, be kind to yourself. Because、mm. yeah. you're always going to find yourself like trying to like, compare. Comparing you as a parent to other parents. And at the end of the day, because every child is different, like, you shouldn't beat yourself up over things like, oh, your baby's not sleeping through the night, or, you know, whatever, like, you're not feeding your baby right, or whatever. And, like, if you keep feeding yourself into all the negativity, then you can't be your best self every day. So, that's what I would say, and sleep when you can. So, <laughs> Catherine, have you thought about becoming a mom Instagram influencer? Because I feel like if you Put motivational quotes out every day, you'd get a ton of followers. <laughs> Be kind to yourself. You no, know, that's the dream for a lot of mom, like Facebook mommies out there, <laughs> including this one. <laughs> I'm getting like newsfeed things from moms. What job can I do to work from home but watch my kid at the same day? <laughs> Like on the same time, and I'm like, uh, Instagram influence. <laughs> <laughs> well, now every job, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Like I said, very informative because we know、yes. nothing about this entire world. So great to hear from your real life experience. Do you want to give any final plug for your podcast? Where can people find Mom and Pop Podcast? So, we haven't figured out all our marketing, but <laughs> I think if you Google mom and pop podcast, we should be on the top 25 hits up there. I, I think、oh, so.、Hey. Yeah, Google、oh. the mom and pop podcast, and you should be able to find us on Spotify or iTunes. And I forgot to mention, but we are just a mom and pop trying to figure out this parenthood thing. That's,、uh, that's what our podcast is about. That's your tagline, huh? I feel like I hear it in every episode. Yeah, yeah. We start with that every episode. Nice. The mom and pop. <laughs> well, thanks again, you guys, for joining. For those listeners, obviously you can't see, but they were amazingly juggling the baby in the background of recording this. So it was amazing to watch while also recording this. Truly. We have to talk about this on our next pod recording a podcast with the baby. Because we usually <laughs> record when she's sleeping, but this is the first time we've done it. Yeah. This is real life. Yeah. Okay, people, if you liked this episode or if you have experience as a young parent or you have questions for young parents, please write us in at tellusswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. Your is Y O U R E. Maybe we'll get our resident experts, Mark and Catherine, to reply to some of your top questions. So let us know. And as always, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we can keep getting that love. Come back next week for a new episode, as always. And until then, bye, Jen. Bye, Jen.